0: You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska, that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.
1: Yeah, my name is Larry Harvey. My wife Connie's sitting back there. I am older than Joe by a couple of years. And uh, is this thing on? I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, it's nice to see y'all here. It's it's real pleasant, and uh, I really appreciate Joe agreeing so very quickly to us doing this. Pope, we're both using the same pulpit, so technically it's not a pulpit swap, but um, it just seemed like you know we're starting to share a building together. It'd, it'd be a good way to kind of get to know each other's churches, and so I brought it up, and just like that, he says, "Yeah." Let's do it some preachers are afraid of that you know i don't know exactly what the logic is but i figure i come here for half an hour or whatever and then you don't see me again and that's you know it's a lot safer (laughs) let me ask you a question we're in luke uh, chapter 11 that's where joe's been going to and you got to chapter 11 at the beginning of chapter 11 is the short version of the lord's prayer i want to ask you this question um And you cannot answer with anything relating to God or the Bible, okay? Do you believe in anything that you can't see? Huh? Santa Claus. Santa Claus. There's one. We may need to talk to you afterwards. Uh, Somebody What do you believe? Something you believe in that you can't see. Do you think, who? The wind. The wind. Oh, there's something. We see the results of it. But we don't actually see the wind usually. It's not a good thing if you can see the wind. I'm not sure if I Sometimes ghosts, I think. Maybe ghosts? Because people, they may not be ghosts, but. (laughs) How how about this? this? How many of you believe you have money in the bank? (laughs) It may or may not be a fantasy, but seriously, do you see it? It's kind of weird, we walk in there and we hand them our money and we leave. And we trust them. I used to tell my um, college students, I taught philosophy at McCook College for a while, I'd say, it's 10 o'clock, do you know where your pancreas is? Do you? <laughs> I hope it's in there. You know? But I've never seen it. There's a whole lot of things we go through life. Believing and trusting and using. Do you know what's holding you up here? There's really nothing under there. It's a big balloon. We inflate it every Sunday morning and hope it doesn't pop. <laughs> we trust all kinds of things we cannot see. Well, tonight we're talking about... Jesus teaching us how to pray, and it's a pretty short lesson. Me and Joe are making longer versions of it than Jesus did. Let's just start. These there, you know, in the New Testament, there are two versions of the, what we call the Lord's Prayer. The one we're looking at tonight is the short one. The somewhat longer, not much longer one, in Matthew chapter 6. And it's kind of the basis of the traditional Lord's Prayer that gets said often in a lot of different churches and weddings and other events. So we can probably wing it and get it pretty close together. Would you, uh, let's close our eyes and just say that together. And don't worry if you say it different than some of the rest of us. That's just the way it is. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen have you ever gone to a catholic mass and uh They all stop. Let's see, where do they stop? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. They stop, and all the Protestants that are there for the first time are mumbling on. Thine is the, what is it? For thine is the kingdom and the power and glory. I don't know. Man, we just said it. Don't get old. (laughs) Last Sunday night, Joe talked about uh, Mary and Martha having Jesus in their home. And uh, he talked mostly about Martha having some issues, and uh, and yet the issues were, as Jesus talked about at that particular on that particular occasion, the issue was that she was not focusing on him as the teacher in the setting. And Joe Joe used a phrase. Let's see, how did he say that? How to serve Jesus ultimately? And I, I took I take it in that context that he meant how to make Jesus the ultimate object of our life, of our living and our focus and our effort how to serve Jesus ultimately I just think it's interesting that right after that we go into this and and, and Luke makes clear that he's not talking about the same event it's a different occasion apparently but he says this one day Jesus was praying in a certain place so it's a different day We don't know where it was. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. It's a little bit shorter. And uh, my guess would be, if I had to guess, that uh, Jesus said this on this occasion, and then later when he was putting together a long teaching about different issues that he was concerned about, that he just elaborated on it a little bit in Matthew 6. We got it on a slide up here, I think. That's my theme tonight, okay? It starts off, them saying... Teach us to pray. Because they saw him, you know, regularly. Jesus would go. He'd disappear, he'd move away from people. And they knew he was praying. And so they watch, and so one of them says, Teach us to pray. And he he does this. He doesn't say, which he could have. He might have said, You guys? Lord, teach us to pray. You guys? Are you? Never mind. He could have said that. Teach us to pray. But the lesson is really, really short. I uh, counted the words. In the New International Version, most recent one that's on uh, BibleGateway.com, there are 34 words. 34 words. 34 words. What can you say in 34 words? And so I timed it. I read it out loud sitting at my computer with a timer running, and I didn't read it fast or slow. I just tried to read it like, you know, you would talk to somebody. It took me 15 seconds. 15 seconds. And Jesus calls this a lesson in prayer. 15 seconds. You missed it this morning. <laughs> Cause I've already missed it tonight 15 seconds what if there were some kind of universal law in, cosmically enforced that no human being could pray more than 15 seconds in one day what would you say Thank <laughs> you. that's not a bad start see it would, it would seem to imply we need to pay attention Connie and I are, are pretty busy some days. We hardly see each other. If I see her and all I say is, she says hi and I say hi, neither of us is particularly satisfied with that conversation. We need more. But Jesus says, okay, when you pray, say, and he gives him a 15-second prayer. Would you read this version with me out loud? Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Is that the end? Lord, teach us to pray. And then you get a 15-second lesson. A 15-second lesson. I want to ask a question now, and I do want answers. Uh, What do you notice here? Anything that stands out to you in this prayer that Jesus gave us as either a sample or an outline or something? Something stand out to you? Anything? You notice anything new? Or maybe something you've been noticing for 40 years? It is short. Is that what you said? Yep. Yeah. It's pretty short. It keeps changing the subject. <laughs> Every sentence changes the subject. Anybody else? What do you notice? Forgiveness. The forgiveness thing. Now I'm glad that's in there, but he makes it a little difficult. Did you
0: notice?
1: I've got a pointer on this, but it doesn't show up on these TVs. Just pretend, okay? <laughs> You see it behind, right? No. Forgive us our sins, for we also. Whoa, 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 whoa. If I'm going to ask for forgiveness, it means I got a problem that needs some attention. It needs some forgiving. I don't want to go and say, Would you please forgive me because I forgave everybody else? If you go before a judge over here, are you going to bring that line of argument? (laughs) No. Anybody else? Anything you notice here that that stands out or has stood out to you in the past? Well, I want to I want to look at this a couple ways. One way is I just want to look at Jesus for a minute. How did he operate? What What do we learn about prayer by looking at Jesus here? And then the other is just to look at actual contents of this prayer. What do we learn about praying? One thing we learn about Jesus is that he prayed it starts out that way one day Jesus was praying in a certain place why didn't they ever write those down they wrote down John 17 which is kind of a long one there are a couple other very short ones but it says through the scriptures he did it a lot but they saw him praying so we know and they did write down that he did it he did it frequently he said uh Mark, I think, says, Jesus often went away into lonely places and prayed. So Jesus, as, as we look at Jesus, we learn Jesus prayed. Maybe, you know, has it ever occurred to you? It's occurred to me to ask this. If there's anybody who wouldn't need to pray, wouldn't that be Jesus? Seriously? Not need to pray? That should be the Son of God. But regularly. So apparently prayer does not have to do directly with your sinfulness or even your your slowness up here or your spiritual density or any of that. Jesus did it regularly. Another thing, he did teach. He didn't teach a whole lot, but he did teach. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he didn't say, uh, that's a little deep guys you know we'll put that off for a few a couple years he didn't say that he didn't say you he went ahead and he gave him some input I mean I mean two things to me one Jesus thinks he knows something about it well, I, th- I expect he's right and two if we claim to be his followers we need to listen even if it seems like not a very long lesson we need to listen You have a tablet, right? I'll bet it never does that. (laughs) And the third thing is, this is for real. That's why I asked the question at the beginning. What do you believe in that you can't see? Here's Jesus, who already already at this point has a reputation as somebody who's pretty much together. He understands things. People like him. People trust him. They listen to him. They listen to what he has to say. And he thinks it's worthwhile to go off somewhere and talk to somebody you can't see. I don't know. Should I ask for hands on this one? Do you ever feel weird when you're praying? No, not in general. I mean... <laughs> Do, you ever- Do you ever feel weird? <clears throat> I have a couple of friends on Facebook who are atheists and they when they're dealing with me directly, they were respectful, you know, and they, they point out that, that I'm a good example of a believer. But they put up these general things about how stupid believers are. And uh, one of them, a couple weeks ago, put up a thing that said, there are these people, believe it or not, who actually think there's an invisible man who lives up in the sky somewhere, and they talk to him. Doesn't that seem kind of weird? I wouldn't say it that way. An invisible man who lives up in the sky somewhere. But the fact is, I am saying, and Jesus was saying, you can talk to a being whom you cannot see, who listens and understands, who gets the words and even gets the feelings that you can't put into words. That's what Jesus said. So... Jesus did pray and Jesus taught about it and to him it's very real Joe pointed out this morning that uh, we, you could analyze this Lord's Prayer in terms of vertical and horizontal that uh, vertical has to do with our relationship with God and our, and our expectations for God's kingdom and the horizontal has to do with the mess we're in while we're waiting for that, and while we're, we're learning to be involved in that, something like that, right? Yeah, <laughs> excuse me. It starts with the kingdom. Both times that Jesus gives this prayer instruction, he starts with our Father, which is really pretty cool to say, Father. That was not standard Jewish practice, it was not standard practice. In fact, at one point, they got very, very irate with him for, for using that word, for calling God his father. They said they picked up stones to stone him because he called God his father. But he told us to, say our father. We, we say it when we pray that prayer, but Jesus started that way. What does that mean to you? Give me a couple feedbacks here. What would it mean that Jesus... This very highly respected and holy teacher tells you when you pray to say, Father. What does that mean? We're, we're his children. Yeah, there's some kind of. We're all, one and the same. we're all in this together. We're part of the family. <laughs> How interesting. Call him Father. What else? It's personal. Who said that? The magic voice in the balcony. It's personal. Meaning, yeah, it involves persons and it involves us individually. I can say to God, Father. My friend who thinks I talk to an invisible man in the sky would have even more problem with that. You call him what? Anybody else? Father. What does it mean? Ha (laughs) ha ha. Well, we're going too far, man. That's too much. I don't know if I can deal with that. We're brothers and sisters. Jesus said, call him Father, which is a different orientation to the religious life than the people around him were used to. And it's a big deal. He says, Hallowed be thy name, which uh, I can't remember how you said that this morning. It was pretty cool. Anyway, the idea is God is a big deal. <laughs> And we want people to realize that. Not so they respect us, but so their lives come into line with reality. Hallowed be thy name. And thy kingdom come. And you use the line like, uh, people and places where God's influence is, or something like that. Which is pretty good. I like that. Let me ask this, this question too. What does it mean to you? If God has a kingdom and you can be part of it and you're gonna say, Thy kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Does that have any implication? There'll be a rope down here and bring me up there? There was a rope. The connection there. It means that, at least in my eyes, it
0: means that there is a kingdom beyond
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. It is clearly saying that. There's a kingdom beyond this world that's better. And uh, we want that. We should want that. I I love it. I believe in my, just being a, a believer in this world, but also in my professional position, I get to see the kingdom come. We all do if we're looking, if we're attentive. But I get to see the kingdom come in individual lives that are now different from what they were a year or two years ago. And in marriage relationships, and in employment situations, I get to see the kingdom come. And I know it's that kingdom, because there's nothing here that's producing anything that good. It's good stuff. It's beautiful. So saying thy kingdom come, is really a very kind thing to say. It's a blessing for everybody who's affected by it. Thy kingdom come. One of my favorite writers says, it does little good to pray for the coming of the kingdom unless we accept the authority of the king in our own lives. So when I say, thy kingdom come, it's, it's cheating to have it in your mind to those guys. I wish you would take over and straighten them out. That's not thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come is the blessedness of the kingdom, and it, it has to start here. The prayer is false. Okay. You know this one? We sing it, right? Read it with me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. And uh, his righteousness is in there in uh, Matthew 6. Seek it first. And it's Jesus puts it right there at the beginning of the prayer. Okay, I've got four things here that are specific effects of the kingdom in our lives. And I'm putting them under this heading it simplifies life. And I'm certain it does. I know it does by experience. If we pray this prayer, we accept it and we mean it, and we start to see it answered, it will simplify our lives. Give me some feedback here. Not your own life, of course. Other people you know. What are some things that complicate people's lives? Worry, Worry. stress, stress, Stress.
0: what? Relationships.
1: Relationships, ego, huh? Ego, ego, illness, illness, pride, pride this we didn't even try and those are heavy-duty things that complicate our lives and I, it's a, you just have to decide if I'm right here but I believe that the the tendency of Jesus teaching here is if we pray this way and we mean it it will start to simplify our lives and I have uh, four things here this prayer is uh, it is honest and it leads us to be honest. When you talk about confessing sins, when you talk about wanting God's kingdom, when you talk about our bread, it's getting pretty basic. Listen to this. Hypocrisy or insincerity is the first thing we are to guard against in prayer. Beware not to speak what you do not mean. That's hard to do. Beware to not speak what you do not mean. How do you know? How can you tell? This is John Wesley. He is the kind of accidental founder of the Methodist Church. Back in the 1700s, he rode all over England on horseback, preached two or three times a day. And this is a sermon of his, the sixth of a series on the Sermon on the Mount, which is in Matthew 6, he is <clears throat> talking about prayer. He says, hypocrisy or insincerity is the first thing we are to guard against in prayer. Beware not to speak what you do not mean. Prayer is the lifting up of the heart to God. All words of prayer without this are mere hypocrisy. You know what hypocrisy means? It means pretending. Pretending do christian people ever pretend? no. surely not. why do we pretend? we're shamed. i'm sorry? to hide. we can come up with is
0: isn't
1: that hilarious? of all the people we're gonna fool, the last one is gonna be God. Seriously. So, you know, I catch myself, I really do, literally, it happened to me today. I was starting to pray about something and I thought, I'm putting it on. I'm a preacher's kid, I know how to do this. (laughs) My dad was a preacher's kid, you know? I've had some practice. I can put this on. I can say the words that I think Jesus should be impressed with. But our relationship is to the place now where it's like, it's like he kind of grins at me. You know? Like, you know, I don't know what the face looks like exactly, but I feel it. It's like, (laughs) really there? You know? And so I had to stop and say, Okay, um, I just want you to know that this kind of bothered me, and I don't know what to think about it. I could put that in nice, flowery theological terms, but the truth is, I'm just kind of I, I'm, I'm puzzled, and I don't know whether I should be mad or happy. And uh, I will—I need some guidance. I will need some guidance in this. Don't say what you don't mean, and that's hard work. That takes some practice. You used an illustration this morning that I forgot to write down. <laughs> something about keeping at it, and it seems like you were m- moving your hands like this where you where this praying business is something you have to keep working on. Well, when you think of it, let me know. Or when I think about it, I'll let you know. <laughs> Daily. Daily. It has to be worked on. Would we think that the most productive thing in life would not take some practice? Now you're welcome to come. Every one of us is welcome to come like this. Like I was just saying, walk in and say, "Sorry to bother you. I don't know what's going on. I just felt like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. That's honest, and we're all free to do that. But as we practice, we get to we get to a more um, comfortable, I guess, relationship, a more open and direct relationship. So do practice it. Be careful not to speak what you do not mean. You know how many churches, uh, ours doesn't, I don't think yours does, but a lot of churches have a, a part of their Sunday ritual where everybody says together, we confess our sins, or we confess our sins of commission and our sins of omission. And I just want to think, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's stop a minute, and give everybody a piece of paper. Write them down, please. What sins are you confessing? And this theologian says, A general confession, like, I confess my sins, or I confess your sins, does very little good for specific sins. We need to bring our own real self before God, and that's what Wesley says. This prayer of Jesus is incredibly simple. I want to read you a prayer. This, uh, according to the history Uh, is a prayer that probably Jesus himself recited in the synagogues. We know he was a leader, you know, fairly often, apparently, in synagogue meetings. That sometimes he read the scriptures. We know one time for sure where he read from Isaiah. And uh, the tradition from just a few decades later was that whoever read that scripture from the prophets would also be the one who would lead the congregation in these prayers. So whether Jesus ever actually said this particular one, he said things like this. He did not disapprove of these. He honored them. Listen to it. I want to see. I want you to tell me if you hear anything in there that you don't like, that you don't agree with. This is one out of six or seven that were pretty regular on Sunday on Sabbath mornings. With great love have you loved us, O Lord our God, and with much overflowing pity have you pitied us, our Father and our King. For the sake of our fathers who trusted in you, and you taught them the statutes of life, have mercy upon us and teach us. Sounds pretty good to me so far. Enlighten our eyes in your law. Cause our hearts to cleave to your commandments. Unite our hearts to love and fear your name. Then we shall not be put to shame, world without end. For you are a God who prepares salvation and you have chosen us from among all nations and languages and have in truth brought us near to your great name. That we may lovingly praise you and your oneness. Blessed be the Lord who in love chose his people Israel. I like that. It's kind of elegant. It shows it was written by people who had experience with God, with scripture and with language. And they could put it together. When the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray, he could very easily have said, You know the prayers. You've said them every week your whole life. You know the prayers. Just go and make them honest between you and God. But what did Jesus say? Lord, teach us to pray. And he gave a prayer that only has 34 words in it simple words simple sentences you see what it says folks we can do this we can do this I don't mind if you copy this or some others or prayers in the Psalms or or prayers in the hymnal (coughs) they're beautiful things if we take them seriously but the Lord's message is you focus you want me to teach you to pray? I want to tell you. You focus. You focus on my will, my kingdom. You focus on the things you need in your life bread. You focus on your spiritual, moral be- well being and relationships, forgiveness. And you focus on asking God to get you through this. Do not lead us into temptation. So that brings us to this next one. It covers everything. So if we take a model, Jesus' model prayer, and we practice it from our hearts, he intends us to be honest. He says it's quite all right to keep it very simple. And he says, anything. Bread? Food made it into the Lord's Prayer? 34 words is all you get? And food makes it in? I think he would have liked potlucks. (laughs) (laughs) You know. <laughs> he liked to go to parties. He's not worried that we want to mention food and that f- and food by implication means health issues. It means income and job issues. It means housing issues. You know from Scripture, the Lord's not going to be irritated if you want to talk to him about those things. Anything. And then when he goes to forgiveness. Well, I put this down there. um, This kind of prayer, simple, honest, immediate, excuse me, reduces hypocrisy, but Jesus, both here and in Matthew 6, makes a big deal about this forgiveness. Matthew 6, a really big deal. Here he says, Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who (laughs) sins against. I'm sorry. (laughs) Seriously, Jesus, you're saying this to a random crowd of people? Yeah, you you tell God, um, forgive us our sins, because we forgive everybody. You've been a pastor for more than a week. You know there are people in your church who are fighting with this. Every church I've ever gone to, there has been people come to me and say, Pastor, I just can't forgive. Or they say, Pastor, I just can't forgive myself. But Jesus puts it right in there. The kingdom of God, food, and forgiveness. I mean, that's pretty important. It's pretty important. But I don't know how we can deal with this issue. This issue deserves, you know, another two or three weeks of sermons. But Jesus didn't give it that here. He just said, and when you pray, say, please forgive me because I'm forgiven everybody else. Uh, uh, uh. Wait, 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 wait. Help! How am I supposed to do that? How do I dare say that? Goodness. Excuse me. Well Forgive me, please. Uh, you see what I'm saying. When I say this, this kind of prayer really Jesus is making clear. It seems to me, without saying it in so many words, everyone is welcome to come. Please come. Talk to the Father. Remember that his agenda is better than yours, and he's smarter than you, so maybe start with, that kingdom come. But, then don't leave out, all the real stuff of life. Food. Like Paul says, we have food and clothes, let's be content. Jesus doesn't even mention the clothes. Whoa. I see a new church coming out of this. Let's not do that. Okay. we can do this Um, I like it I don't know who the disciple was but one of them had the guts to bring it up and say Lord teach us to pray let's us be that guy we can be that guy I mean nobody else is listening seriously it's no sense trying to show off and pray in your prayers nobody else is listening just you and God grandma can't hear you your parents can't hear you The Sunday school teacher you have when you're a kid can't hear you. Nobody can hear you but God. So we can just be blunt, simple. He's pleased. God gave us the gift of speech not so we could show off, but so we could communicate. You can do this. If we do this, it will in fact change the world. Did I just say that? What did I say? That sounds like a preacherly exaggeration. Do <laughs> yeah. you, you think it's true? I, mean, I think it is true. Jesus gave it a very brief coverage, but it's serious. And he, he repeated in Matthew. These, the, the spiritual work that this kind of praying does on us inside is the kind that makes us channels of blessing. And does the world need any channels of blessing? We got too many in the Hastings? I don't think so. Be with me again, would you? Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. It's all so serious, except that one line, you know? Does Jesus really expect any Tom, Dick, and Harry who hears him can say this line? Does he really expect I can just say that? Is, or is he putting a booby trap in the prayer? <laughs> he's, he's saying to himself, I gotta make these people try to be honest. So I'm gonna put something in they can't say. And then they're going to have to try to deal with that. How are we going to deal with it? Pretend? Or are we going to come and deal with him? And say something like, Lord, uh, I'm going to say this prayer because I think it's pretty smart. But I want you to know, I really have a problem with that line. I would like to understand why you think you can freely lay that on. Because apparently he does feel he can freely lay that on us. That somehow it it should be one of the early things we learn. To forgive. I mean we sure need it. Why are we going to pretend to God that we deserve it but we ain't going to give it? I don't think he's going to fly. Let me see if I'm getting close to the end. the sermon last Sunday night Joe mentioned uh, Mary and Martha like I said Jesus told Martha that it was very important to sit and listen to communicate with him and, and you know there's all kinds of questions about that situation and the relationships that were going on but the, the lesson is clear it's very important to have this closeness to the Lord and then in the very next verse Luke starts us on a story like this I think he means it and I think he does mean we can do this and I think Jesus means we can do this and I think Jesus is making it clear by the kind of prayer he gives us the simplicity of it the directness of it that he wants everybody to do it he doesn't leave any of us any excuse I can say I went to college but I can't say I went to the seminaries or the colleges you know, I went to University of Northern Colorado we used to call it PU because the Montford feedlots were right there <laughs> not a glamorous school, you know I don't come to God in prayer because I have degrees from the right places nor does, it, nor does anybody else we come because Jesus says okay say this Will you say it with me one more time? And get this Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. I love that honestly I haven't thought about it as much as, a, as, a, as I'm just indicating now but that top line for we also forgive it's like it just breaks you I hope it breaks you because <laughs> I think that's the intention it just breaks us that we have to come to him and say Lord you have to teach me about this and then we're open for the whole rest of the prayer okay two questions and then I'm done how, we didn't talk about how to end this Pray.
0: <laughs>
1: do we have music? Okay. <clears throat> question one. Uh, from what I what I said or what we've talked about tonight, what do you particularly need to remember? If anybody's brave enough, they can share that out loud. But it's a question to answer. What do you need to remember? Say again. Keep
0: it simple and keep it honest.
1: Keep it simple and keep it honest. Seriously, ladies and gentlemen in my work as a pastor if i can just see people in the church doing that all the rest will happen all the rest will happen keep it simple and keep it honest what else what do you need to take home just do it, it. And <laughs> next time you see that somewhere remember oh yeah that's not about that's about praying they don't tell us that but anybody else what do you need to remember <laughs> <You know. laughs> One day at a time. It works if you work it. Um, now, the second question is: If the if the answers are any different, or you want to say them any differently, we sit here in a community of 26,000 people, and it can, you know, and then within 50 miles there's a whole lot more than that. What do people around us need from this message tonight, or this teaching of Jesus? What what do they need to hear or believe. Forgiveness? Grace? I'm sorry? Humility? Yeah? The Lord Jesus is offering a wide open door in this very short prayer. The Lord teaches to pray and he opens the door wide open. To heaven, to the Spirit, to His presence, to blessing—a wide-open door. People around us need to know about that. The door is open. You know, if you're not coming in, the door is open. Okay. Let me say a word of prayer, and then uh, musicians, the leaders. Father, we thank you. Uh, you are the king of the kingdom you're the one who knows what's good for humans and you're the one who has plans to bring it to us we pray that we will be uh, honest prayers help us lord to just learn to be honest prayers to seek you to bring our hearts before you like wesley said i pray in jesus name Amen.
0: Guys, stand with me, please. Thank you, Larry, for preaching to us this evening. Thank you for preaching to my heart, too. The traditional way that we like to close our time of preaching is kind of a time of response. There's been a lot of response in our time together already where where Larry asked a lot of questions. My hope and my prayer is that those questions would kind of just stick with you, and that the Lord would even use those questions um, kind of like a mirror, so to speak. Maybe into your soul, into your heart, into your mind and where you've been and where you're at. And as the Lord works on you through some of those questions and as he just speaks to you, could be the issue of Father in that prayer. Could be hard for you to approach him as Father. Could be this issue of forgiveness. I mean, for you, the topic and the idea of forgiveness has been one that's been hard for you to comprehend or understand or to extend. And so as we wrap this time, and as the Lord kind of speaks to you, we're going to enter into worship. And as we head there, we're also going to engage in participating in communion together. I can think of no better way to wrap up a message about prayer than communion. Because in that picture of Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, and in this picture of what it means to pray, this is where we find communion with our Father in heaven. It is through the shed blood and the broken body of Jesus that we are enabled to come to him in this way. And so there will be a couple of servers here in the front. My hope is that they'll make their way to the front now to serve you as we engage in communion together. And then as you come, my hope is that you would think about the things that Larry preached. Think about this text. Think about the things that the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you even now in these moments. Maybe some of you that are here, and for you, this has been this has been difficult. This has been hard, maybe. This is strange for you. Maybe you're not a believer. And if that's you, if you're not a believer, we're not asking you to engage in something that is foreign to you. We don't want you to feel like you have to put on a Christian face and pretend. But our hope is that if you are here and you're an unbeliever, that you would hear the voice of God. And that this would be something that you would desire to participate in. Because maybe in these moments you're seeing Jesus as the one who came and died and gave his life as a ransom to save you so that you and I and the rest who believe in have been made family by the broken body and the shed blood of Christ, we can come together, united by that. Very diverse. I mean, look around the room. We're diverse. We're different. We're very different from each other. But The thing that unites us is Jesus himself. So as we participate and as we partake, if that's you and you're a believer, you don't have to be a member of our church. You only have to be somebody who has believed upon the name of Jesus Christ to save you. And so then we would just invite you to engage in this with us. And so as we worship and participate in communion, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would just continue to speak to you. Amen? All right, let's worship together. You're listening to an audio message from the well